I wish a few people would get a little crazy in here today. Look, y'all look very beautiful. Y'all look very handsome. But God is doing something in this place. And I wish a few of you would take it back to old school church and get a little wild in the Holy Ghost and go a little crazy and run like we used to run. Run do that time. Oh, church, won't somebody get a little wild with me? Come on, mama, go again. Hallelujah, Lord. Yes, God. Yes, God. I don't know about y'all, church, but this button ain't working with me. Um, God's trying to do something today. All right. And let, let me tell you something, okay? I'm excited. Not for me. I, I don't care about me, okay? When I, when I got back into this, I told Mama and Pastor, I said, I don't want to be up here, okay? Put me back down there. I want to dance. I want to run. I want to have fun and worship God, okay? But church, I'm excited because God's doing something in this place. God is doing something in our church. Ha! I don't know if somebody believes that with me. I don't know if somebody will stand in faith with me and declare in the Holy Ghost that God is doing something. I want to give honor to our pastor and our first lady. This is, this is not something I take lightly. And y'all can go back to your seats. This is not something I take lightly, y'all. Um, this, is, this is a big deal to me. And I'm very thankful and very grateful that uh, the Lord saw fit to use me. Uh, I'm, I'm a vessel, y'all. Okay? I'm a vessel. So if y'all just uh, put up with me for a few minutes... And, and, and I believe God, God gave me a word, and I believe that God has something in store for our church today and, and, and for the rest of our, our time here on earth, okay? Um, wow. I'm sorry. Chubby, and I can't run as much as I used to, okay? So I get out of breath really fast. So uh, just bear with me for a little bit, okay? If y'all turn with me to Job 2, verse 7 through 10. And just whenever you have it, just let me know. Because I want us all to read this together. So when you have it, just, just give me a good old, old-fashioned amen. I love it. I love to hear it, y'all. I'm going to set my timer so I don't go too long. All right, Job 2, chap, uh, chapter 2, verse 7. Okay. So went Satan forth from the presence of the Lord and smote Jacob with sore bowls from the sole of his foot unto his crown. And he took him a, a pot shirt and, and scraped himself with it all. And he sat down among the ashes. Then his wife, then said his wife unto him, Dost thou still retain thine integrity? Curse God and die. But then he said unto her, Thou speakest as one of the foolish woman speaketh. What? Shall I receive, oh, I'm sorry, shall we receive good at the hand of God, and shall we not receive evil? And all that, and all this did not Job sin with his lips. And out of that, that scripture, I want to, just for a few minutes, speak to you guys on 
curse God and die. Just curse God and God and die. Why, why don't we all just pray for a few minutes or a few seconds, I'm sorry, and, and just ask God to, to be in this place and ask God to speak to us. Lord God, we come to you. You are holy, God. You are holy, God. You are holy, God. You are holy, God. You may be seated. In this, in this scripture, Job, Job's wife is, is portrayed as a, a very angry and, and, and bitter woman. Um, um, you know, he, she, she goes to, to Job and she says, are you really going to keep your integrity after everything God has done to you? So, so, you know, it's, it's very easy for us to sit here and look at this and think, oh, man, she's a very angry woman. She's bitter. Man. But the fact of the matter is, is she wasn't angry. She wasn't bitter. She was she's flustered. She's in pain. She's seeing her husband go through all of this stuff, and, and she's hurting. She's hurting for Job, and in and, 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 and supplication, she's asking Job, Job, why, why are you, dude, what? Come on, man. Just curse God and die. And time and time again, I kind of think back upon my life where I'm sitting here and I'm, I'm fighting and I'm, I'm praying and I'm fasting and I'm asking, God, do, do this for me and God, give me this and, and God, bless me here and, and God, you gave me this promise. And all the while I'm praying, I'm fasting and I'm interceding and I, I'm on my knees and I'm, I'm standing and I'm fighting and I'm fighting against what the enemy's trying to do to, to me. In the back of my head, I just hear, just give up, man. Just curse God and die. I hear that voice, and, and I start to feel defeated. I start to feel beaten. I've stood up. I've fought. I've said everything, and I, I've held my ground. And my faith just starts to get shaken. My faith starts to, to not be as strong as it once was. And I start to think, man, God, if, 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 if you loved me, or God, if you were really here with me, Where's my miracle? Where's my blessing? Where's the promise that you gave Rack, God? Where's the miracle that you gave Restoration Apostolic Church? Where's the promise that you gave my pastor? And my faith starts to dwindle and it starts to shake. I start looking at Mark 5, verses 22 through 23. And this is after... Jesus had just dealt with Legion, and, and he's coming up, and this is right, right where uh, he starts to speak to Jairus about his daughter. And Verse 22 says, And behold, there cometh one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. The word of God says that uh, Jairus was a ruler in the synagogue. He's a leader in the synagogue. So he's not, he's not just any man. He's not some, just any person on the side of the road that, that Jesus was just dealing with. And, and I can just imagine in my head that, that, that Jairus is, is exhausted. He's tired. And his, his daughter's been sick. She's bedridden. And she, she's on the point of death. And, and she just has nothing left. And Jairus being a father with his family, he's, they're not getting much rest. They're exhausted. And on top of all of that, he still has to go, and he's got his responsibilities in, in the synagogue, and, and he's taking care of all of that. And, and then he hears that Jesus is coming, and he's like, man, that's it. 
That's, that's the one. If anybody can do it, it's going to be Jesus. And, and I can imagine he, he, he runs out and he's, he's fast, as, fast as ever. And, and there's a multitude. And there's people there. And the Bible doesn't say that there, there, there's, there's a multitude around Jesus at that moment. But I can only imagine. He just dealt with, with, with legion. And, and this is right before the, the, the women of the issue of blood. And, and so I can imagine the, the multitude of people that are standing around him. And Jairus goes down and he starts fighting through the people. Let me through, let me through, let me through, let me through. And he reaches Jesus. And the Bible says that he falls at his feet. And he begs. And he asks God. See, when you fall at the feet of somebody, you, you are saying, in the literal sense, I am humbling myself to put myself before you. You are more important. You are higher than I am. And Jairus being a ruler of a synagogue shows the true importance of who Jesus was to him. And Jairus falls and he, and he begs at Jesus, Lord, save my daughter. She's about to die. She's bedridden. Ain't nothing left. Can't do nothing else. And I can only imagine that his faith was, 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 was shaken, you know. Man, come on, Jesus. If you, please, just do it for me. And he begs and he begs and he begs. And then a few verses lower in Mark 5, 25, and, uh, verses 25 through 28, it, it says, And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood 12 years, and had suffered many things of, of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind, and touched his garment, and verse 28 is the one that stuck out to me a lot. And it says, For she said, If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. If I may touch his clothes. Imagine the faith she had to have. Twelve years. Twelve years of fighting this sickness. Twelve years of fighting this ailment. Gone to every doctor, every physician. Every person she can think of, there's no miracle. There's no healing. And she's asking God, God, what, what in the world? Nobody. There's got to be something. And she hears the name of Jesus. And she says, if I can touch but the hem of his garment, the faith you have to have to believe that solely coming up and touching the clothing of Jesus that you will be made whole. And the scripture says a little, for a few verses down, that, that Jesus instantly felt the power go with it, out of him. And, and, and he says, go out because your faith has made you whole. And he's dealing with, with the woman of the issue of blood. And you kind of, Jairus kind of gets pushed to the background. And Jairus is just sitting there, man, again? I'm in the background. And Jesus goes to, to the house and Jairus comes out and he says, too late. She's dead. You took too long. You forgot about me. You forgot what I was going through. You forgot what I was feeling. I have no faith. My faith is gone. And Jesus goes and, and he, he's standing there with his disciples and he says five simple words. Five simple words. He says, be not afraid, only believe. 
five words that sound so simple. So many times we said, easier said than done. There's your prime example of it. Just believe. Your miracle is coming. God, I've been praying. God, I've been fasting. And you know what? The miracle's knocking on the door. The miracle's there, and he's like, Joe, I'm right here. Don't you give up. And God is saying, Major, don't you give up. Keep praying. Keep fasting. And he's saying, Mama, don't, don't, don't you stop praying for your church. Don't you stop fasting for our church. And he starts saying, Pastor, don't, don't give up on your people. The miracle is coming. The revival is coming. It's going to come. It's going to happen. You're going to see revival in this church. But our faith starts to dwindle and we get tired and we feel defeated. I feel like I've got nothing left, God. I've got nothing to give. And I look at God and I, I get tired. And, and, and the scripture says that, that Jesus tells his disciples and he goes into the house of Jairus and, and he tells Jairus and he says, you know, don't, uh, find my notes. I got, got, got a little sidetracked here. I'm sorry. And, and he enters the house and, and he says, uh, I lost it. Jesus. It happens. He, 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 essentially, he tells Jairus and his family, he says, she's, she's, just, she's sleeping. She's not dead. She only sleeps. And then the scripture says that Jairus looks at Jesus. And he laughs and he scorns him. How low and how defeated do you have to feel? How low do you have to be? How much of your faith has to be gone for you to look to the man that essentially a few hours ago you just told, I need you. And you fell at his feet. And you laugh in his face. And you scorn him. How little faith do you have to have? And not just that, God, God, God man, you, you, you didn't do it for me, Jesus. And Jesus sits here and he reminds you, he says, Judah, man, don't forget that promise I told you, Bubba. Don't forget the miracles I told you were going to happen. Don't forget what I said I was going to do in your life. And your faith, your faith gets restored for a little while and you go out and you start proclaiming it. You start proclaiming in the name of Jesus and you say, you know what, my family's going to come home. My brother's going to come home. I'm going to see the church in revival. I'm going to see this. I'm going to see that miracle, signs and wonders. And your own friends and family start to scorn you and laugh at you. And my mind automatically goes back to, to Joseph in Genesis 37 where, where God gives him a dream and, and he goes to his brothers and, he, and he, he tells him the dream and he says, you know what, I'm going to be above you and you, you and, and my brothers and my, my dad are all going to bow at my feet. And he goes and he says it to his dad and he says it to his brothers and his dad curses him. And he tells him, so you're telling me, the, you the youngest of my sons, telling me that me and your brothers and your mom are going to bow at your feet. Let me tell you something right now. My little sister came up and said that to me. I'll be like, you are out of your mind. I ain't bowing to nobody. Ain't nobody, uh-uh. No, sir. Okay? And the Bible says that Joseph's dad curses him. And he goes and he gets sold to slavery and made for dead to his father. And, and then he ends up in prison and, and, and all of this stuff just go, starts going on. And, and, and Joseph is sitting there and he's, he's remembering the vision. He's remembering the dream that, that, that God gave him. And all the while he's saying, man, God, God gave me this vision. God gave me this vision. God gave me this dream. And he starts interpreting dreams for people and, and doing all of this stuff. And, and, and all the while he's down here. He's in prison. He's in rags. 
And he's remembering to himself, God, God told me I'm going to be a leader. I'm, I'm going to be on top. I'm, they're going to bow to my feet. But oh, how his faith had to have been tested. In that moment, in those years where, where he's waiting and he's saying, God, you, you gave me this vision. You gave me this promise. But you got me in jail. And then he gets recognized, and, and, and eventually he does go back, and, and he ends up, and we know how that story goes. He ends up, and he is, he is a leader, and his, his brothers come, and they bow at his feet, and his father comes, and they bow at his feet. And, and God fulfills the vision. And we get excited, and we're like, yeah, Joseph, you're the man. Whoa. But how many years did he spend in prison? How many years was his faith tested? How many years, Angela, was your faith tested? How many years, Brianna, were you sitting there and you're just like, man, I ain't got nothing left? How many years am I looking here and I'm looking back and I'm saying, God, you gave me this promise. God, you told me my family was going to come home. God, you told me this miracle was going to happen. God, my church is praying for healing over my body, but it's not coming. And they're praying, they're interceding for me and for my body, but it's not coming. My miracle's not here. My miracle's not here. But I stand here and, and, and I kind of think back and I'm like, man, like, there's things that God, God said we're doing in my life. And I get defeated and I get tired. But then I remember, man, if I could, if I could just get close enough to touch the clothes of God. If I can just get close enough to where I touch the throne room of heaven. If I can just dwell in the presence of God. And if I can just reach a new place. And if I could get deeper in the Holy Ghost. And I could go and I could touch. Maybe. Maybe. God will see fit to fulfill my miracle. Church, since when are, are, do we have the authority? Or since when do we have the right to tell God when to complete my miracle? Since when can I tell God, God, I've been doing everything you told me to do. It's your turn to do your part. Who gave us the right to be so entitled to feel like we can do that to Jesus? Go, going back to Mark, the, the name of the child and the name of the woman with the issue of blood is never mentioned. Names are never mentioned, but if you look at their miracles, their miracles are pivotal points and pivotal moments in the ministry of Jesus. How many messages would not be preached today if, if, the, if we didn't see the miracle of, of, the, of the daughter that passed away, Jairus' daughter, or the woman of blood? How many, how many messages would not be preached? How many lives would not be touched? How many people would not be saved? How much faith would not be restored? It's pivotal. And sometimes I feel like I'm not important. I just show up to church. I go on Sunday. I go on Wednesday. I do my part. Pastor don't know who I am. He didn't come and talk to me today. Man, dang it, Pastor. He forgot about me. And we start to think, Jesus don't know who I am. Jesus forgot who I am. He forgot my miracle. He forgot my promise. There's so many people that have so much more stuff out here that's so much more important than what I got going on. And I start to feel unimportant. And I start to feel like I'm worthless. I'm not worth God's time. 
And we sit there, and, and God kind of, hey, bud, I got you, man. You're, you're good. I ain't gone nowhere. All right, man, just, just give me some time. Just give me some time. See, Job, Job spends various chapters arguing with God and going back and forth and, and, and complaining and, and, and griping and all of that stuff. And he spends a lot of time where he's just questioning God. And he's questioning what, what, what the will of God is and why, why God is doing what he's doing to him and, and why God did what he did and, and, and all of this good stuff, you know. And I'm, I'm, I'll be the first one to tell you I've done it as well. I've questioned God many a times. Why? And Job sits there, and, and, and he asks the age-old question. Why does God do bad things to good people? And he questions him, and he battles with him, and he goes back and forth. And, and finally, we get to a point where, 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 where God is, or I'm sorry, Job kind of gets to a point where, where he proves that his hope is still in Jesus. God restores the faith. But then a few chapters later, he's back to, to arguing with God. And he's back to asking God, why are you doing what you're doing to me? Why me? I didn't do nothing wrong. I was the most faithful one. I went to every service. I sat in the front row, and I was Pastor Walden's biggest amen person. I danced at every song service, every chord that mama played. I was the first one up, and I was the first one dancing. I got a little wild. I didn't care about how sweaty I was. I didn't care about how my shirt ended up. I got a little crazy. But, but. Why haven't you delivered what you said you were going to do, God? And I feel defeated. I feel tired. And then in chapter 12, Job acknowledges that, that, it's, it's the, that God allowed the devil to, 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 to test his faith. And in chapter 13, and he, he's, like I said, shows that his hope is still in Jesus. And then you go into uh, Job 13 and 1. And then that's when he says, Lo, mine eye hath seen all this, mine ear hath heard and understood it. And even after he showed his hope and he's, he's questioning God and, 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 and God is you know, just telling him, hey, just take a step back, man. I got you, Bubba. You're, you're good to go. And then we hit Job 42. And, and that's when Job repents, and God restores what, what, what he's got. And, and, and you go to Job 42 and 12, and it says, So the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than his beginning, for he had 14,000 sheep and 6,000 camels and 1,000 yoke of oxen and 1,000 she-donkeys. And even after everything that that, that you've gone through and, and God delivers the, the, the miracle and God, God delivers the promise and, and God does what he's going to do. and you got to let God restore what he took away. you got to let give, God give back what he took from you. Because there's a reason that you went what, through what you, what, what you went through. And, and, and the music could come. I'm, I'm finishing. So there's a story of uh, two brothers. And they're, they're not the main characters of the story, but there's two brothers, and, and, and they're raised in this truth. They're raised in, in the gospel, and, and they know that there's one God, and, and they went to all the, all the Sunday schools, and, 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 and they were raised in it, and they, they know, you know, Father Abraham, and man, they know all the Sunday school songs, and they know everything, you know, raised in this. 
they know that Jesus is one. And, and there was even a time where, where they were the first ones in the altar. And they were lifting their hands and they were praising. But they got hurt. Not just any kind of hurt, that good old-fashioned church hurt. Hits different, stings a little more. And they left. And they spent years and years and years outside of the church and, and doing these things that drinking, partying, smoking, and doing all of these things and getting tattoos and, and, and all this good stuff. But like I said, these two brothers, they're not the main characters of the story. Because these two brothers had a, had a mom and a dad who, who, who did their best. They did their best to, to raise them in this truth. They did their best to, to show them the way. They did their best to, to try to teach them to have their own relationship with God. Two boys just didn't want nothing to do with it. And they left. And these parents are sitting here and, and they, they receive promises from God for these boys. See, these boys are miracles to their parents. Because the mom was never supposed to have kids diagnosed to never have a child in her life and, and, and God blessed her with four and his mom and dad they, they received so many promises and so, so many signs and wonders of your sons are going to do these great things and, and your sons have a calling over their life and your sons they're going to be in ministry and they're going to do this and they're going to do that and they're going to be these great men of God and here we are their oldest one is tatted up. Their younger one is on drugs and selling drugs. And you look at, you, you, they go a little forward a few years down the road and, 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 and they're still praying and they do the only thing they know how to do. They pray and they fast, they intercede and they, they, they wail for their children. They go and they go to these conferences and they teach these lessons of your prodigals are coming home. And then they get invited to this one conference. And they've got to sit there and they've got to give all these lessons about rejoice because your kids are home. And you're going to rejoice in the, in the miracle that occurred. And you're going to rejoice in, in, in the promise that was fulfilled. And, and they're, they're, they're uplifting everybody else. And all the while, their two boys are living it up. How hard that had to be. How tested their faith had to be. How shaken their faith must have been. And they're hurting and they're crying. And, and these boys, they just stubborn as mess. And they don't want to do it. And then one day they get a little glimpse of hope. The oldest boy, he's, he's involved in a little bit of a difficult situation at work that could have ended in one or two ways. He could have lived or, or he very well could have died that night. And, and God used that to, to open his eyes. And they get that glimpse of hope. And then a few weeks later, they see their boy turns his life back over to Christ. He's on fire for God. He's going to do it. He's in it. He gave up. He's done. He's done doing all that stuff. Turns his life back over to Christ. And the parents rejoice and they get excited. And they praise God for the miracle and they praise God for the promise that was fulfilled. But they still got one boy who's still out there 
See, that story is the story of my family. So my parents. And forgive me, I'm getting a little bit vulnerable with you guys. See, not a lot of people know this about my brother. But he's heavy into drugs, and he's, he's, he's heavy into selling drugs, and he's heavy into partying, and he's, he's tried just about every drug under, in the book. And I know some of y'all don't see me outside of church, so you don't see me with the short sleeves, but I've got, I've got the tattoos, and I've got, I, I've got it all. I did it all. Went out there. I lived it. And it pains me that I put my parents through that. And it pains me that my parents had to go through that hurt knowing that that promise was given to them. Knowing that their boys had something. They were to be used by God. But their faith was tested. But they rejoice because one of them came home. But there's still that one more. See, I, I, I don't tell you this story to, to, to try to get a pity party from you or, or to glorify myself or to make my parents look any better or any of that stuff. If you ever speak to my parents, they're the most humble people you'll ever speak to. See, I tell you this story because I'm not preaching to you. I'm preaching to me, speaking to myself. It's my faith, y'all. Hmm. And it's not just me. There's so many of us in here that, that our faith is just, man, it's getting tough. It's getting hard. It's, it's a tough life out here for a man and a woman. 2022, sorry, guys, gals. But, and, and y'all can stand. I'm, I'm, I'm done. But I wonder if, if we can come up here and, and, and we can ask God, God, just restore my faith, but, but not just for a few minutes or not just for a few hours or not just for a few days, but remind me, God, why I do what I do. And I wonder if we could just come up here and we can just cry out to God and we could just say, God, if I could just touch you. God, if I could just reach a little bit deeper. God, if I could just enter your grace. God, if I could just enter your glory. And if I could just feel your spirit like I haven't felt before. God, complete what you want to do. God, remind me why I'm here. Remind me why you spared my life. Remind me why... Why you did what you did. And there's a reason I'm going through what I'm going through. Restore my faith. And church, don't you give up. Like Jake was saying last week, you got to stand and you got to fight. But even when you're fighting, your faith gets tested. And even when you're fighting, you get tired. You get exhausted. Church, I'm here to remind you that God's not going to leave you. God's not going to forsake you. God's going to restore your faith. God's going to restore in you the fire you once had. Why don't we reach out for God?
church, without a doubt, the Lord has spoke to hearts today, just right into people's spirits. I want us to continue for just a, a couple minutes right now. Wherever you're at, if you could stand and lift your hands, or if you're kneeling and praying, but, but lift your hands to the Lord and just surrender to Him. Surrender your worries. Surrender the cares and the, the concerns and the questions, and just surrender it to the Lord right now. Lord, I trust You. I believe You. Lord, You've done it before. Lord, You brought me into this. I know that You'll take care of me. Lord, you've been with me every step, God. In, in the valleys too, Lord, you've been with me. Lord, you've been with my family. I trust you. I believe you. Can we take just another couple minutes right now and just surrender all that we are, our thoughts and our heart and everything to the Lord right now. Let him bless you and seal this word today. I feel the peace of God. I feel the peace of God. And it's because, you know, it, it, it never ceases to amaze me how the Lord would just orchestrate things. The Lord knew who was going to be here today. He knew what you were going through before you came in these doors today. And the Lord just orchestrated everything to speak to your heart and help you right where you're at. I know church is a gathering. There's a lot of us here. But I often tell people when I pray with them that in the middle of all these people, the Lord is paying attention to you right now. He, he can do that. He's God. 
He can be a lot of places, have his attention in a lot of places, but in the middle of all the situations and everything, you've got to know that the Lord is paying attention to you. He's paying attention to your situation. And he's a God who loves us. And he knows what we need. Joe, thank you for obeying the Lord today. That was a word from heaven. I know for a fact, for hearts and minds, people going through things today, and the Lord has just spoke right to us and helped us. I say this many times, I word it this way, that the Lord will meet you right at the point of your need. And so you be encouraged today, church, and know that God is, it it was God that spoke to your heart. If you feel like, man, that sounds like what I'm going through. That sounds like what, you know, that relates to me. It's because God knows, and it's the living Word of God. And we need that preached Word of God to speak to us right where we're at sometimes. Amen. If you love and believe the Lord today, could you clap your hands? Shout unto God with a voice of triumph like the Bible says. Hallelujah. Lord, I love you. Thank you, Jesus. God is faithful. God is faithful. Amen. Thank you, church, for being in service today. Thank you for participating in in the service. Man, it's, it's good to go to church with people that like to have church. Amen. Thank you to our visitors. If this was your first time here today, we love you. We hope you'll come back and uh, just find somebody to talk to, get connected with someone. We love you, and we're glad you're here. Regeneration, anyone going on the cabin trip, don't forget right after service, there's a meeting uh, for that in the youth sanctuary. And don't forget anyone involved in any capacity with any ministry, anything in this church. Tomorrow night at 7 o'clock is a leadership meeting. Please do everything you can to be at that meeting. Other than that, Be blessed. I pray the blessings and favor of God on you as you leave this place. Be safe. Invite somebody to church Wednesday. I love you all. Be dismissed in Jesus' name.